You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, thank you. Wow. So excited that you're excited. This is fun for me. All right, cool. Hey, let me recap last, year, or last week for you. We started a series last week um, called How to Get Through What You're Going Through. And um, Pastor Doug introduced a, um, a phrase to us last week called Chiku. Everybody remember Chiku from last week? If, if you're not familiar, um, Chiku is a metaphor that is used um, in China, and it stands for eating bitter. It stands for eating bitter, and the, and the way that this was used and, and introduced was by way of Lenora Chu. She wrote a book called Little, Sh- uh, Little Soldiers, where she is comparing how American students uh, and, and Chinese students are and their success rates. And so we see that Chinese students are typically more successful, um, and they learn more with, uh, in, you know, in China. And the reason for that is because of Chiku. It's, the, it's when they experience these bitter moments, instead of shying away from them, they instead power through them. Um, and so, so it's through that that they're able to learn a little bit quicker and a little bit more. And so um, last week we had you guys acknowledge what your chiku currently is, what you are currently experiencing in your life right now. We had you write it on a magnet and stick it to the front of the stage by, by way of faith, by saying, hey, you know what, God, I acknowledge that I need you to be a part of this chiku because I don't want to shy away from it. Instead, I want to power through this bitter moment in my life. Now, before I get on with the rest of the service, let's go ahead and pray together, um, and then we'll get into um, what we got to talk about today. So, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to come together and just to learn more about you, too, be in community with your people, Lord. And, and God, we just thank you for this incredible place that we get to meet every single week, Lord. And I just pray for open hearts and open minds, open ears, Lord. And I also pray, Lord, that today's uh, just honors and glorifies you the best way possible. And everything we do together, um, we'll do just that. So, God, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, and it's in your name we prayed. Everybody said? Amen. Oh, come on. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now, this is a one o'clock service. I expect some good, like, participation here, or I'll call you out. It's not a problem. I'll call you out. It's just not a big deal. Um, so, so there's a moment in my life where I experienced a chiku moment um, as well. I was 16 years old, and I got a phone call from my mom, and my mom uh, on the phone call said, hey, well, my friends and I are going to run a half marathon this weekend. Would you be interested? Um, now, completely ignorant to what a half marathon was at the time, I um, thought to myself, well, I ran a 5K before, you know, I'm pretty good shape, let's do it. You know, how hard could it be? Um, those of you laughing know exactly what I'm about to get myself into. So, you're right, so don't, don't give the, the ending away real quick. So um, we, we show up, it's a Sunday morning, 6.30 a.m., which is ridiculous, by the way, I don't know who starts races that early, and my mom signs myself and, and her up for the San Antonio Rock and Roll Half marathon. And so we get there. And if you've never been to the event before, I'll set the scene. We get there. Now, there are thousands of people about this. And so this is like way more than like the senior fun run that I ran like, you know, a couple of days before. But it was thousands upon thousands of people who have traveled to San Antonio to be a part of this marathon. Um, And not only that, but I'm noticing as I get there that I am not prepared for this day at all. Because, you know, one, I have zero training in half marathons. And so the fact that I just signed up like the Friday before that Sunday was kind of a big deal. And so um, I I never felt more more unprepared than when I saw the um, people around me who looked a lot more experienced. Um, And when I say that, I mean like they have like super shorty shorts and then they have like their belt around them that has like all these like water bottles like all around, like they're going to war and they have their water bottle grenades. And so they're they're all, and then they start stretching and I'm just like, okay, like 
I have a banana, so that's cool. And so I'm here with my banana trying to think, okay, what the heck am I about to get myself into? Now, there's a huge crowd. They're there to encourage everybody. And that huge crowd, they're super excited. They're loud. The DJ plays Cupid Shuffle, and we're just all dancing. And we're like, we're not going to die today. This is great. You know, and so like, we're, we're having a great time. And then the countdown to race time gets down to five seconds. And everybody counts in unison. Five, four, three, Bang, the gun goes off, and the race has now begun, and I am running. And y'all, I got to tell you, I'm crushing it. I'm just like, I'm feeling really good about myself. Mile one passes by, and I'm just like, easy. Mile two, I'm just like, smooth. Mile three, I'm at the 5K mark, and I'm thinking to myself, there's not much more. I'm almost done. I can feel it. And so I get to mile three. I pass mile three. Girl Scout Troop 42 is offering water, and I'm like, get it out of my face. I'm a man. I can make it through this. And so I'm running through. I'm running through. Mile four comes by, and I'm like, okay, I've never ran four miles before, but it's not a big deal. I'm feeling pretty good. Mile five comes by. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? And then mile six rolls by, and I'm looking around, and I'm the only one who looks confused. Now, I'm pretty sure my mom had, at this point, had told me exactly how long we were running, but I'm not a very good listener. And so I did not listen to what my mom had told me. And so we're at mile six. I turn around, and my mom's kind of a little bit further behind me. And I go, Mom, do I wait for you? And she's like, no, save yourself. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I'm running. And I'm running, and I'm, and I'm looking, and mile seven passes, and I'm just like, wow, this is really long. And then mile eight rolls around, and I'm just like, I can't feel my knees. And then mile nine rolls around, and now we are in this, por- we're in this portion of the race where we are now running through a neighborhood. Now we're running through this neighborhood, and people are sitting out in the front of their yards, and they're shouting things like, worst parade ever. And then they're also shouting things like, like you can do it. Just keep swimming. You know, like they're throwing like, they're throwing like all these degrees. You're almost done. We will believe in you. I'm like, you don't know my name. Shut up. You know, like, and so they're shouting, they're shouting all this stuff. And, and all the time I'm thinking like, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know my pain. My body at the time is just like, dude, what are you doing to me? And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I don't know this was going to happen. And so I'm working through it. I get to mile 10 and at mile 10, my right shoe breaks. I know. And so my right shoe breaks. And now now, I don't know if you guys were ever a part of this cultural phenomenon, but I was a huge Nike Shock fan. You know, like I wore shocks all the time. And so I'm a shock down. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is the end. Like, I can't, I can't continue because without my shocks, like, I can't do anything. And so my, my, my right Nike Shock is down. And now I'm just like, I'm, I'm full power in one leg and then like half power in the other leg. And so I'm just like limping and I get to mile 11, and mile 11, I can't breathe. I'm frustrated. People are still shouting, like, keep going. And I'm just like, no. And so we're just, I'm freaking out. And we get to mile 12. And at mile 12, it's when it sits in that this chiku moment, I feel, is never going to end. I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I'm never going to get off this course. This is where I die. I accept it. So I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of ways that I can, I can get out of this. I'm like, okay, well, do I just lay down and play dead? Maybe a paramedic will come and save me. Do I walk off to the side and just like lay in like a random stranger's arms or like in a, or, or I, I try to jump on and, and hitch a ride on one of the wagons that one of the parents are pulling along. Like I'm thinking like, how can I get out of this? And, and as I get a little bit further down mile 12, I start to bend over and I'm walking and I'm just feeling like horrible for myself. And then I hear a voice and the voice yells, hey, Nikki. Now, for those of you who don't know, my middle name is Nicholas. And so Nikki is a common name. Some people call me. And they go, hey, Nikki. And I stop and I look around and I, like, I don't see anybody yelling Nikki. And so then I, I keep walking and I hear it again. Hey, Nikki. 
And so naturally, because I don't see anybody yelling my name, I look to the sky. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> is this how I get out of this? <laughs> like, you're here. Then I hear it again. Hey, Nikki, why are you walking? And the voice all of a sudden becomes familiar to me. I guess I had the time to breathe and time to listen a little bit. And the voice becomes familiar to me. And I look up and I'm like, Grandpa? You know? And I look to the side and I see my Grandpa Roger. He's standing on the side. And I'm like, Grandpa, it is you. And so I run over there and I'm thinking like, he's going to save me. And he looks at me and he goes, why are you walking? Keep running. And I'm just like, can you get me out of this? And he's like, no. He goes, keep running. Look, you're almost there. And so I look up and I see the glorious finish line in the distance, less than half a mile away. And so with everything I have, you know, I lift one leg, it feels like a thousand pounds, and I just go boom, and I get it. And I'm just like, yeah, one step closer. And so finally I get so many steps in a row that my, my momentum picks up and I finally get into this light jog and I finish the race 13.1 miles later. And I cross the finish line, and I cross it, like, in the most dramatic way possible. You know, I'm thinking, like, this, is a, this wasn't a close race. You know, I wasn't going to get, like, third place or anything, but I crossed it like I was. And so, like, I put my nose out in front, and then I collapse, <laughs> over the, I collapse over the finish line. And then the lady comes up to me, and she's like, you did such a good job. Here's your participation medal, you know? And I'm just like, great, thank you. And I wore it, and I was like, I win, you know? And so it was, like, super cool. But I finished the race. You know, that, that was the important thing. I finished the race. And, you know, as, I, as I've been you know, kind of looking at, um, you know, preparing for today and as I have been, you know, praying on, you know, what the heck am I supposed to talk to you guys about? Because sometimes Doug just throws stuff on me and I'm just like, all right, well, let's see what happens. And, and it, this kind of came up to me, you know, a lot of us are in the middle of like this 13 mile race. We're, we're in the middle of this long race. We, we don't necessarily know the distance of it. It could be 13 miles. It could be a full marathon. Like who knows? We're in the middle of a race though. And, and, and a lot of us are, are entering into the miles of like nine, 10, and 11, where we're trying to find some sort of escape route from our race. And our race is presented in a way of, um, by our, our chiku, you know, that the bitter, tough moment that we may be experiencing in our lives. And I know a lot of us here are experiencing those moments because, you know, I took the time and I wrote, I read every single one of these, uh, one of these cards that are here in front of the stage. You know, and I, and, I, and I see and I got to be a part just a little bit of exactly the chiku that you may be experiencing or you may be going through. And, and you know, some of us, you know, are, are, are suffering from jobs that are just like, man, like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. You know, I want to quit. I hate this place. But I know I have to stay because I need to provide. You know, a lot of us are, 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 you know, living in a family right now where they're, you know, you're just one crack away from being broken. And... You feel like, hey, it's irreparable. You know, I can't get through this. You know, this is not going to be fixed. You know, and, and, and you feel like you're just stuck there. You know, a lot of us are suffering from depression or anxiety or some other mental illness that you, it's just causing you to lose hope in this life. You know, some of us are suffering from addictions that feel like, you know, are just controlling your life and there is no freedom from it. And a lot of us are, are suffering from, from dealing with the loss of a loved one and you just don't know how to overcome that. You don't know how to... Um, get over the grief, get over the sadness. And, you know, and, and you walk into places like this, and you walk into city church, and, and it seems like everybody's life is just like perfect. You know, they're all happy. They're like, God loves you. You know, keep going, lean on the Lord. You know, God's timing is perfect. You know, we, we're saying all these things to you, and, and it's taking all of you not to shout back, like, shut up. Like, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know this chico. You don't know the pain that I am suffering through right now. You know, and I, I can imagine how isolating and lonely that may feel, but, 
you know, I just want to right now squash that lie, you know, squash the lie that, you know, that some of you may be thinking that nobody cares about what you're going through. Or maybe like their, their encouragement is fake or they're doing it maybe because like they're forced to do it. But, but no, like the, the truth is that there are people right now, if you're sitting in this room, that there is somebody here who loves you and cares about you. There's somebody here who loves you and cares about what you're going through. And, you know, there is a God who cares about you so much that would never forget about you, would never forget about the pain you're going through, would never abandon you or leave you. And that's simply the truth here. And, and here, you know, we've been stu- we're going to study through First um, and Second Thessalonians all series long. And, and we see here that Paul is trying to encourage his Thessalonian brothers and sisters to get through what they are going through. And he does that um, by way of what we're going to study today of encouragement. And so um, we'll see how Paul first encourages his brothers and sisters here in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9 through 11. You can read with me on the screen. Um, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or we are asleep, we might live through him. So he takes this first part of, of these verses we're going to read. And he says, hey, God hasn't destined you for the wrath that he has on this world. He hasn't destined you for him to come down and get mad at you or to tell you you're doing something wrong or to tell you like, hey, I'm not helping you out. No, he has destined you to be saved from all of the chiku that you are currently going through. He has destined you to be saved through Jesus from all of the bitter moments in your life. And so he wants you to be encouraged by that. But then he looks at the Thessalonians and he challenges them with this. And I'm going to challenge you guys with this as well. He continues and says, therefore, what's that word? Encourage Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Encourage one another and build one another up. Which is why our big idea today is we will encourage you through your chiku. We will encourage you through your chiku. So right now, turn to the person next to you and tell them the big idea for the day. All right, now turn, to your, now turn to your second option and tell them the same thing. Now with, with the idea and the mindset of, with Chiku in mind, right, with the bitter moments that we're experiencing, like don't, don't push those off aside, but what I want you to do is, you know, I'm going to challenge you here a little bit. Like, yes, you have your Chiku. You know, but Paul is saying, hey, I want you to build one another up. I want you to build each other up. I want you to do life together. So I want you to focus on the question today. And that question is, how can I encourage the person next to me? How can I encourage the person next to me? You know, I ask this question because here at City Church, we are huge believers in what we call the tribe, what we call tribes. We are huge believers in surrounding yourself with people who are going to encourage you through every single moment of your life. Surround yourself with people that you can walk your life with, both the good and the bad. We encourage you to surround yourself with those people. You know, there are a few reasons for that. One, obviously, to to walk through life together. But secondly, you know, sometimes you need somebody to come into your life and say, hey, I know exactly what you're capable of, so I need you to keep going. You know, as we get you know, faced with our cheek and we're in the, in the midst of, of our bitterness and we have to, and we have to uh, you know, experience miles 11, 12, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to look at ourselves and say, hey, I, this is what I'm capable of. This is what I am able to do. But, you know, if you have somebody around you that says, hey, I know exactly what you can do, 
you know, it makes it that much easier to run. You know, I brought a picture of, of my grandpa and myself, and we're, and we're running this 5K here. And, and, you know, my grandpa couldn't stand on the sideline and yell at me, hey, keep going, if he didn't know first what I was capable of. And, you know, in this picture, I'm dying. I'm in the red shirt, and I'm just dead at this point. And my grandpa is pushing me, is pushing, you know, me in the back, and he's telling me to run faster. He's telling me to run faster because he knows what I'm capable of. And sometimes you need that person to come around and say, hey, you know what? I know you want to give up. I know you want to start walking, or I know you just want to quit, but I know what you're capable of, and you need to keep going. And so, you know, here we're going to look at three characteristics on how we can encourage each other through our chiku. And we see that by way of, of 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, um, where, where Paul is here trying to encourage his Thessalonian brothers and sisters. Um, way number one, encouragement is persistent. Encouragement is persistent. Our encouragement towards each other must be persistent. You know, my grandpa had to stop and wait in the same spot and look for runner after runner after runner until he found me. He had to persistently search for me without giving up. And I imagine, you know, it got frustrating at some points. He probably thought I was taking too long, to be honest with you. But, but at some point, he had to decide in his mind, I'm not leaving here until I find my grandson. I'm not leaving here until I can encourage my grandson. And for you, you need to say, I'm not going anywhere because I'm going to persistently encourage my tribe members. I'm going to persistently encourage the people around me. Read me in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18. Paul writes, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice in every breath, pray no matter the circumstance, and give thanks in all situations in your life. And if you woke up this morning, you're thinking to yourself, well, like, what do I have to live for? You know, my, my, this chiku is just too much. I, my life's falling apart. You know, I have nothing. You know, what's the point? Like, what's the point of me even waking up? You know, and, and that's you. Well, let me encourage you with this. You know, and I want you to receive this. In fact, I want everybody to receive this today. That if you woke up this morning and you were able to breathe, and if you woke up this morning and there was a heartbeat in your chest, then the truth is God is not done with you. God is not done working in your life. God's work for you, God's work through you is not complete. So you need to keep going. You need to keep running. Don't give up on this because that's the truth. God's promise to you is that he is not finished with you. And a way that you can keep going is one, rejoicing always. You know, be glad in that. Man, my breath is a miracle. My heartbeat is a blessing. But also, pray without ceasing. No matter what you face, no matter what you experience, constantly have an attitude of prayer. Now, I understand that it's difficult to be, you know, on your knees here in the front of the stage 24-7, you know, all the time. That's not possible because you have jobs, you have lives, you need to go and live. But it is possible to constantly have a prayerful attitude. And it is constantly to constantly be reminding yourself that, hey, I can't get through this unless God's a part of it. I can't get through this unless Jesus comes down here and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to walk through this with you and we're going to get through this. And if you're constantly reminding yourself and you're constantly reminding each other, hey, there is a God that is working in your life right now, no matter what darkness you may face or no matter what light you may face, there is a God who is working in and through your life right now, then it is that much easier to be 
thankful in every circumstance that you may face. And you can, you can live your life with a confidence and with, with the confidence of Ecclesiastes, um, verse 11, or Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. And that reads that he has made everything beautiful in its time. God has made everything beautiful in your life in its time. And so you can pray with that confidence. You can have that, that attitude. You can have that prayerful mindset with that confidence and that knowledge. And when you experience any circumstance in your life that you can be thankful in it, you know. And I'm not saying for you to be thankful for the, ne- for the negativity in your life or for the bad things or for the evil in this world because those things aren't from God. You know, evil is not from God. You know, so you don't receive that evil. But what you can receive is that there is a God who is working everything for your good. Every single day, every single hour, every single minute, God is working everything for your good. We just sing that. That we could taste and see that he is good because it's true. And you could be thankful for that, no matter the circumstance you find yourself in. And so as a tribe, we have to be persistently rejoicing, persistently praying together, and persistently being thankful in every single circumstance in our lives. And we're going to revisit what it looks like to be a prayerful tribe here in a bit. But before we do that, let's go on to the next characteristic of encouragement. That is encouragement is patient. Encouragement is patient. Now, I'm not a fast runner at all. I am not a fast runner. Um, but I do want to brag a little bit. I did finish the half marathon in two and a half hours. No big deal. I don't know if that's fast, but it felt fast to me. And, but for somebody who's not running the race, it may feel like a long time. And my grandfather probably had to wait in the same spot for upwards of two hours and like 25 minutes around that time. And he had to patiently wait there. Not only did he have to persistently look for me, but he had to patiently wait there because he knew that the moment that I arrived, the moment that I was available to be encouraged, that he was able to do it. And in the same way, your encouragement has to be patient. First Thessalonians 5.14, Paul writes, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish the idol, warn the idol, warn the people that are, are their, their motors are running, but they're not going anywhere. Admonish the idol, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak, and be, what's that word? patient with them all. Now, in my time of encouragement, in my, in my moments of, you know, encouraging people, I've learned that we encounter like three types of people that, that we will have to encourage and, and show patience to. And the first is, are those that require a little bit of patience, right? Some patience, those that you can just encourage from the sideline. Hey, like, I know you're going through a hard time, but you can get through this. You're going to get through this. You know, God's timing is perfect. He makes everything beautiful in its time. Like, you're able to encourage them, and they're able to receive that. Now, you may have to repeat yourself a little bit, but it's okay because you can constantly be a reminder in that, and they will gladly receive that. But the second person you're going to encounter is somebody who needs a little bit more patience, and those are going to be the people who have fallen down. Their situation got to a point where they just fell down, and you have to physically take yourself off the porch, go and pick them up, dust your shoulders off, and say, hey, this is the direction that you need to go, and I'm going to walk in that direction with you. Now, it may take them a little bit of time to get going, but as they get going, you be patient with them and say, hey, one step at a time, we're going to get through this. And then there's going to be the category that I fall in a lot of times. And that category is the people that are going to need the most patience. Like they're going to be the idle people, the people who have their motors running. They're working all the time. They're always doing something, but they're never doing the right thing to get through what they need to get through. And oftentimes you're going to find yourself giving them advice and they're going to be like, wow, that's amazing. 
thank you so much. And then they're going to go, and they're going to do the exact opposite of what you told them. And that's going to be frustrating. But it doesn't mean you give up on them. It means you constantly, you patiently encourage them as much as, as much as it takes for them to get to a moment that they will do exactly what you have encouraged them to do. Now, one of the most patient people, in fact, the most patient person at City Church downtown is Pastor Humby, you know, for a couple of reasons. First, every single Sunday, about 95% of you go up to him and go, what's up, Robbie? And if you didn't laugh at that joke, then you don't believe that Humby and I are two different people. And the truth is we are. So imagine how much patience it takes for him to not punch you in the throat, you know, like. But second, Humby is a part of my tribe. He's a part of the, of the group of people that I get to experience life with. And for four years, the four years that I've known Pastor Humby, I have gone to him for, for time and time again to just unload on, about my life. Everything about my life, I just go there to unload. And I just, and I go to him for all sorts of advice. And for four years, he has given me advice every single moment that I need it. He's always there to listen to me. And then on top of that, he gives me the advice that I need. And for about three and a half years, I've done the exact opposite of what he's told me. You know, on a regular basis, I do the exact opposite. And I know I know Humby is patiently waiting for the day that I take his advice and I do exactly what he says and it works out for me. You know, I know he's going to experience that one day. I'm sure he will one day. But I'm thankful because does he give up on me? No. Just because I don't listen to him every single time, does he, does he stop offering his advice? Of course not. He's there for me constantly and he's there for me and he is patient with me. And what I love about Humby, you know, aside from him fixing my entire life, is that he won't ever offer me advice without asking if I want it first. And I think oftentimes when we want to encourage somebody, we're like so jazzed and we're so excited to go and tell them, like, I know exactly what you need to do, that sometimes we forget to ask if they even want our advice to begin with, if they even want our encouragement. You know, and so I want to lend you a piece of advice, if I may, that the next time you go into encourage somebody, ask them if they want it first. You know, ask them, hey, can I offer you some encouragement? Can I offer you a piece of advice? You know, and that, that question is a question that Humby will always ask me every conversation we ever have. Can I offer you some advice? And I know that the moment that I say yes to that, the moment I say yes to his encouragement, then I am opening up a door for Humby to truthfully, respectfully, and in the most real way possible, and sometimes painfully, tell me the advice or the encouragement that I need to hear. And so as you persistently encourage somebody, as you patiently encourage your tribe, there will be an opportunity for you to go ahead and ask that question, hey, can I, can I lend you some advice in this situation? And it's in that moment when they say yes that you are able to then go and, and, and express our next characteristic of encouragement, and that's encouragement gets real. Encouragement gets real. It's truthful. It's honest. And sometimes that truth is hard to hear, but because you care about your tribe members, but because you care about the people that you go through life with, you know, you won't hold back on that. And you will tell them the truth and say, hey, this is how I feel. This is how, you know, I want you, I want you to be aware that I've noticed this. And, you know, Paul, like, like Doug said last week, you know, Paul you know, was super real with, with his people. And if, you know, if you get offended easily, like you wouldn't like Paul because Paul, you know, didn't really hold back. He was very truthful. You know, and in this time 
um, Paul or the Thessalonians were living a life in a way that they were just super idle. You know, they weren't, they were working, you know, some of them, but they weren't really going anywhere with their lives. They, you know, a lot of them had stopped working altogether, you know, and most of them would look down on anybody who was working hard, you know, and, and they would look at their, at their circumstances, they would look at their lives, their, their chiku and say, well, this is my life. You know, what am I going to do? You know, like, what's the point? You know, like, I'm going to live with this sin. I'm going to live with this idleness. I'm going to live with, with this addiction, with, with these choices, because, you know, Jesus is going to come back anyways, and he's going to save us from all this. So, so there's no point for us to work hard at anything. But like I said earlier, if you woke up this morning, you're breathing, and you have a heartbeat in your chest, that means God's not done working in you, and he's not, he's not done working through you. And so you can't sit around and, and not do anything, you know, you have to work. You have to do something to get through what you're going through so that God can use you to, to the max, to your best way possible. And so we see him get real here with, with the Thessalonians. And he says here, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do more and more. Do so more and more and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. If you are trying to go and encourage somebody, if you are trying to go and, and, and chime into somebody else's life, you got to make sure that your life isn't idle, just like the Thessalonians. You have to make sure that you are working and that you are doing more and more so that the moment that you go and say, hey, can I offer you some advice about your situation, then that person can look at you and say, hey, you know what? I know that you've had your problems, but yet you haven't given up and you're still working and I respect that and I would love to hear what you have to say. And here, you know, Paul is saying then, so as you go through life and as you're walking through life with your tribe, as you're going through life with the people around you that you love and that you're, that you're you know, going through life with, you know, and you see somebody and they're living a life and they're, or they're making choices or doing something that is completely opposite of what you guys have been encouraging each other to do, then it's okay to patiently wait, persistently encourage them, and then say, hey, you know what, can I offer you advice in this? Now, be mindful of who you're talking to, because like I said, people are sensitive nowadays, and you want to be careful not to offend anybody, but, you know, and, and we see, you know, that even true in the Bible, where uh, Colossians 4, 6 says, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, right? Don't always be salty all the time with your conversations, okay? So season it with a little bit of salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone, you know? And so when you encourage each other, and the opportunities present themselves, you know, then be real. Get real with them. Not because you want to get after them, not because you want to tell them they're doing this, 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 and wrong, you're going to hell if you don't change, but what you're, what, what you're trying to say is, hey, you know what, I care about you. You know, I notice that you're not living your best life possible, and I want to help you get to that point because I know what you're capable of. You know, and there's going to be a time where somebody's going to come up to you and ask you that same question, hey, can I offer you advice? You know, and they're going to tell you something super real, not because they don't care about you, not because they're mad at you, because they love you and because they care about you, and they want to see you be the best person that you could be. So encouragement gets real. And you know, a word of encouragement can be the difference between somebody collapsing before the finish line or them finishing strong right through it. You know, if my grandfather wasn't there to shout at me, to tell me, hey, I know what you're capable of. Hey, you need to keep running. Hey, you need to keep going. I don't know if I would have finished the race because I don't know how much longer I had to go. And so I would have just collapsed and been like, you know, okay, I'm done. But because he was there, he was able to encourage me. And because you guys are going to be there for each other, you'll be able to encourage one another and build one another up. 
And so you find yourself in the middle of this race and you're thinking to yourself like, man, like I just had this new baby and it is crying and crying and crying and I feel like this is never gonna end. We'll keep running because it will when they're 15. But it'll end. You know, if you're in a job right now and you're like, man, it's not getting any easier. My boss is the worst. I don't like what I'm doing. Keep running. Keep running with the confidence that God's gonna make your situation beautiful and it's time. You know, if you're suffering from a loss of a loved one and you just don't know how to get over that hump, you don't know how to move on, keep running. Keep running because there is peace to be had. There is comfort to be had. You know, if you're suffering with an addiction and you feel like you've lost control of your life, well, keep fighting, keep running, don't give up because you're almost there. You are almost there. And if your family is just one crack away, one more hit away from being completely broken, well, check this out, it's not broken. It's still together. So keep fighting. Keep running. Because it's repairable. And you keep doing these things with the same encouragement that I had as a 16-year-old kid with my grandfather standing on the sideline. There's a God right now who is standing on the sideline, who is looking at you, who is calling you by name, who sees the, the pain and the struggle that you are going through and is saying, keep going, keep going. I'm not giving up on you. I'm not leaving you. I know what you're going through. Keep going. In fact, I love you so much that I'm gonna take your place in your race right now. I'm gonna take your place in your race. You don't have to carry this chiku alone anymore. You don't have to go through these bitter moments alone anymore. You don't have to experience the burden, the pain. You don't have to go through that by yourself anymore. And he, and he says that by way of his son, Jesus, who he sent down to this earth to be born of a virgin and to live a perfect life and to die an incredible death for you and for me so that we don't have to be tied up to this chiku anymore, so that we don't have to be tied up to the bitter moments in our life and so that we can run with the freedom and the confidence that we will overcome it. And so let's bow our heads together and, and let's pray. And if you, know, you walked in here today and you're like, man, like I, I'm not sure about that God you're talking about. I, I don't even know, I don't know anything about him. I don't know, if, I don't have a relationship with him. I don't know any of that. Then, you know, it starts with just believing. It starts with just believing in your heart that there's a God out there who loves you so much that he would do all of this for you so that you didn't have to suffer through your pain anymore, so you didn't have to suffer through your chiku anymore. And by simply believing in your heart that, Lord, I believe that you sent your son down here to live a great life, to die an incredible death for me in substitution for me so that I can be free and I gladly receive that truth. And that's all it takes. Believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And in that, you can be encouraged that there is freedom and that this chiku is temporary. You know, and as I prepared for, for today and I read all of these magnets, you can keep your head about it and your eyes closed. You know, I, you know I'm going to ask you to do something bold here. Now, I'm going to ask you if you walked in here today and you need prayer for something. I want you to raise your hand. 
And I want you to raise it super high. And as you raise your hand, I want you to look around at the room. You know, you're not alone. You know, you're not the only one who needs prayer for something. And, and for those of you who have your hands down, I want you to look around. If there's a person next to you, ask for permission first, but I want you to lay your hand on their shoulder. Because like I said, our tribe, we persistently pray together. And we're gonna do that together right now. Because you're cared about. We care about you. And so Lord, I thank you for the boldness of every single person who has their hand up right now. I thank you for the boldness of every single person who is sitting here and raising their hand and saying, hey, it's okay that I'm not okay. And Lord, right now we acknowledge that there's a lot of pain in this room. We acknowledge that there's a lot of suffering in this room. That there are a lot of just bitter, tough moments that I'm sure a lot of us are not sure when they're gonna end. But Lord, we acknowledge right now with the confidence that you see these moments. You know these pains. You know every single person who has their hand up by name. And you see the finish line. You see where this all ends. And so God, right now, I just pray that as we go through these moments together as a family, God, that you constantly remind us that your presence is there, that you are in full control. And at the end of this, you're gonna make everything beautiful in your time. And so God, I just pray that you just fill every single person in here with the encouragement that they're loved so much, that they're cared for so much, not just by this church, but by you, the creator of all things. And God, we thank you for that and we gladly receive that. And so Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, we celebrate in advance for the freedom that will take place in every single person's life here today. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.